Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Levana Options with Jonathan Karras. Let's take a listen. Thanks everyone for being here. It's so nice to see so many um, returning faces and new faces as well. While we're waiting, Kevin, I have to tell you, I, I appreciate uh, being able to delegate to you on some different chains and being uh, you being available via DM to answer questions I have from time to time. So thank you for being an active validator. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you so much and uh, really appreciate that. That's very nice. <laughs> How many chains total are you validating on now? Right now, um, I, I think we're, we're about nine like main net, like major chains. And then with testnet, we're probably around uh, 13 chains or so, something like that. Nice. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. We've got, you know, Cosmos Hub, Juno, Osmosis, Evmos, Nomic, Stargaze, Kajira, Contex, a few other exciting ones that are coming through from uh, the testnet side of things. I think we've got Psy, Defund, and uh, Stride, and a few others. So it's been, it's been a, so a Kajira, couple months. <laughs> so, so Kajira is not an inflationary token right so how do they pay out or how what's the profit or process there yeah it's it's really fascinating i i and i won't pretend to fully understand it because i am a uh, a defined noob um but the the long and short of it is that it's it's entirely a, a protocol revenues based model so like the actual profits and revenues generated through uh, their various uh, platforms, you know, their order book and what have you, that gets distributed to the stakers of Kuji uh, based upon the actual profitability and, and real revenue uh, capture of the, the actual platform itself. So it's one of those things that's cool in that it like directly incentivizes production. Like as good as the protocol is and as much traffic as it gets is, is really the reward. Well, basis. It's, it, so it kind of, it kind of reminds me of Bitcoin. You know, it's like Bitcoin mm -hmm. has a max supply and they have a reward schedule, which is, you know, the block rewards. It started at 50 for the first four years and then 25. And then, you know, and now we're at 12 and a half or no, sorry, we, we went past 12 and a half and we're at six and a quarter. And um, it, uh, but it's still a fixed amount. And so then the amount of, um, you know, what's paid to the miners or, you know, or in, uh, Kajira's, uh, you know, version to the stakers um, is protocol revenue. So it's the same, you know, similar thing to Bitcoin that it's uh, eventually the fees to the network will take the place of the inflationary rewards. Well, so we have uh, CryptoKing in the of, um, uh, audience. Uh, you know, and of, I think uh, uh, issuance in the space. 
You'll get a lot of uh, great information. Uh, so um, sent you a speaker token, request. Uh, you can come up you know, and uh, model, um, join the speakers. That'll be great. Designed, uh, it, it... Oh, I think I, I might have been hearing two audio feeds at once. Can you all oh. hear me still okay? Yes. Oh, I don't know why I went I can hear just for fine. a second there. But, uh... The two Levana hosts cannot hear each other. So I don't know who else is on the Levana host channel, but there's two people talking. Hey, everyone. Thanks for your patience. Just give us one more minute to sort this out so we can get Kevin back up here as a speaker and then we'll be ready to go. All right. We're going to be placing calls and puts on the uh, space now. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly, semi ridiculous. Exactly. I think we're all in. Uh, I think we're all in the call space now, but all right. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, awesome. Third time's the charm. We're, we're, we're grooving. Yeah. 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 So thanks so much. So you were talking about, um, about, uh, validating and we were talking a little bit about, uh, how, um, both Kajira and Levana have fixed issuance of tokens and are designed to have long-term sustainability through the collection of revenue. And what we were uh, talking about is that how this is Really, uh, it's not a new model into crypto. This is like the original model of crypto. You know, the Bitcoin was created with 21 million Bitcoin. That's all that there was and that's all that there ever will be. And it um, and now we're um, now we are, um, you know, in a it, it, we're kind of seeing a return to that uh, foundational principle of crypto, which is that you you can't just. Uh, infinitely inflate um, and expect uh, those tokens to have value. So it's really exciting um, to see kind of the full circle, you know, especially coming as a, as a person, I got into crypto, you know, in the late 2016. And so my first exposure to most projects uh, was, um, you know, was in, in tokens that, you know, were just inflationary by design. And I'm, I know that we got cut off in the previous recording. So I'm Jonathan Karras. I, um, and I'm head of communications at Lavana. Um, Lavana is a um, stand is an acronym for leverage any asset. Um, there's uh, two flagship products uh, that Lavana is working on uh, today: a um, uh, a perpetual swap, uh, which is an AMA style uh, similar to GMX, and um, a, a an American option uh, platform, which just went into testnet, and we very graciously have Kevin, um, who is, uh, I think for most of you needs no introduction, but, uh, to just give him an introduction, uh, Kevin Garrison is a, um, you know, an, a, a very influential and, uh, pivotal or not pivotal, um, a, a like a, a linchpin, I would say within the cosmos ecosystem and the validator ecosystem. And, um, and it's just, uh, it's just a pleasure to have you on here. I know that uh, you've been a fan of the project for a long time. so. I just want to start out by by saying hi, and if uh, you know, and just ask you, how's everything going in the world of validators? Wow, well, that's a, a hell of an introduction. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> I'll try to live up to the hype. Um, but thank you, thank you so much. And, and yes, I've uh, been a fan of what you guys are doing for a long time. I'm really glad to see uh, how quickly you're bringing things into the Cosmos space and and sort of the uh, interchain approach that you guys have taken. Um, it's really cool to see how you've sort of found your niches in all these places and, and really stoked about the uh, fact that you guys are here and launching in testnet and, and hopefully mainnet here pretty soon. And um, yeah, this is, this is really cool. Like uh, as a validator, like we just want to see tons of transactions on the chain and we want to see people utilizing these protocols and 
I think this is a really, really cool way to, um, you know, kind of uh, bring sustainable protocols into the ecosystem. Like we all love our inflationary stuff and like there's a, there's a place for, for all of that. Um, but I, I do totally agree that there's like this, uh, this really important uh, general movement towards like, okay, what is the sustainable financial instruments that are going to be in this, this uh, space? You know, we've seen what happens when something's not sustainable. Um, you know, it's, it ends up growing very quickly and, and then you run into a lot of problems later on, but taking like an organic approach to like, how do we make this a long-term solution, you know, and what are the good things that we can take from, you know, the, the centralized world, let's call it. And, and how do we bring the good things in and, and bring all of the positive benefits of decentralization into that space as well, so that we have something that works long-term. Uh, I think approaches and models like this are really, really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's always, it's, it's funny that you mentioned the good things um, because it's always a, a challenge when it comes to permissionless networks uh, as to who gets to decide what's a good thing or what's a, what's a bad thing. And it is, I don't think that it's, it's really been worked out, you know, as we've seen kind of with, um, you know, with this, uh, the tornado cash issue is that uh, concepts like, um, you know, financial privacy, like, should my employer be able to see, you know, everywhere I spend, um, you know, my salary or should anybody that, that, you know, has, uh, that I've ever bought an NFT from know which political parties I'm donating to or, or things like that, which are very reasonable in the, the centralized world of finance. Um, but when it comes to, to crypto, um, privacy is, is kind of siloed in to um, nefarious actions. And so it is, it's always um, a, uh, like a, a, a tightrope to walk um, when we, we talk about um, you know, creating something in crypto that, um, that, that only brings in the good uh, you know, and, and leaves out the bad because it's uh, the definition of, you know, of, of what is good and bad can also um, change over time. And then, and it can definitely change depending upon what region that you live in or, or what your belief system is. So it's, um, I think that what we're seeing, and I know this wasn't on the, the agenda, but, uh, but, you know, maybe I, I'm just triggered, but, um, you know, I think what we're, we're going to see with the, the merge that's happening on Ethereum is, um, you know, is is the the concept of what's good and what's bad, uh, and and how censorship and who's responsible to censor is censorship um, something that should be responsible uh, on the on the web two end of the you know the DNS and the the website that we come to, or is censorship something that is appropriate um, from the protocol level, like uh, from the, the the validator perspective? And I I know that. Um, that that Kevin, you you live uh, in a region, um, or at least you used to live in a region uh, that um, you know that that was more more stringent or or had a more of a heavy hand in the definition of of good and bad. And I'm curious if you've had any thoughts as a validator as to you know if you were asked to censor transactions, you know that were um, you know were sending funds to you know to to refugees in a country because it was a sanctioned country or if people were using certain protocols, um, I'm curious uh, if you've thought about that at all in terms of um, moral, ethical responsibility of uh, the position that you're in as a validator. Wow. I'm glad you're starting off with the easy questions. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a, that's, a, that's actually really um, 
a good question. It's something that we've talked a lot about internally with our staff because um, it's no secret we're, we're we're based in the United States and um, there's extremely stringent requirements and and you know with the tornado cash thing and all of that we've had a lot of internal discussions on you know with core teams about how do we address this like is this something that you you know I, I suppose your options are a don't address it at all right in the pursuit of decentralization um, but the very real factor is then you may become the subject of a lot of these problems and your mission for decentralization ends more rapidly than you may like. Um, you know, the other option is to comply completely. And, um, that's also not great. Like there's overcorrections that can happen. Um, and then there's like, okay, what is the, the solution that we would want to see that sort of respects the, you know, overall, um, stability of the system. Right. So like, I think everyone in this room can agree that there are actually some things that should totally be censored. Like it doesn't take too far of a leap of imagination to be like, yeah, people probably shouldn't have access to X, Y, Z, right? There's always things that human beings can do that like shouldn't be broadly uh, published. <laughs> so um, what is the balance? And sort of our, our policy just as a validator is like, we, we have to obey the laws of the land that we live in. And, and that's true of like any business. Um, and in doing that, it's like, what is the absolute minimum amount of damage that you can do, right, to to implement those regulations? So for us, you know, if we're required under U.S. law to uh, censor something, um, we, we've got to do that. We, we, we don't really have too much of a choice, right? Otherwise, you end up on uh, a list that you, you don't want to be on and, and you can do no good in the space. Um, so, you know, we try to keep very close eye on like, what, what are the regulations? What are the solutions? But at the same time, you know, applying those things in a way that are, you know, for lack of better phrasing, bare minimums. So it's like, what is the least amount of, uh, implementation this would take to successfully enact what is required in a regulatory way while still, um, preserving the important things like, uh, you know, some level of immutability, um, you know, autonomy and decentralization. So like if, if we're trying to send transactions to um, refugees in a, in a sanctioned company, uh, country, well, we may not be able to do that directly, but perhaps we can be a part of a solution that allows for validators in that same set to uh, take those transactions for us because perhaps it's for a good cause. Um, and, and we can help, you know, organize those things. We're also looking into, um, <laughs> frankly, having some uh, other, uh, you know, regulatory uh, solutions in, in decentralizing sort of our servers and things like that on a more global scale so that some of these problems are a little less prevalent, um, you know, but it comes with its own difficulties in creating companies and other countries and um, all that fun stuff that I won't bore everyone with. But it, it's definitely something where we're, it's evolving. And we're, we're figuring out as much as anybody. And uh, we want to make sure that there's some level of, uh, you know, good regulation, if you can call it that in the space. And, um, you know, whilst still innovating and moving quickly to sort of bring financial freedom and autonomy to people. Uh, absolutely. And it's, um, I think that's the great answer. It's, it's a really, you know, fine, uh, tight rope to walk. Uh, but I think the, you know the the interesting side of the story here is, um, and I'm a, I'm a, you know I'm a guy with a, like a zero knowledge proof background. I I, I um, 
uh, you know, I did business development at Starkware for almost two years. Um, and so there always was this question of, you know, can like a nation state with a seemingly infinite amount of resources, um, you know, the crack a snark or a start, you know, which is the underlying technology that's used um, for the anonymity um, and uh, the the asymmetric uh, verification that's the foundation of things like tornado cash and um, you know and, and other privacy based solutions. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard the terms like ZKP thrown around. And it was always kind of a, a question up in the air, but given these regulations, um, that's like a huge tip of the hat to all of the, the data scientists and, um, you know, and mathematicians and everything that have been really innovating in the space because they, they really built something that's like quantum computer proof and is, and like the, the, the greatest minds in the world with like infinite resources have not been able to crack to the point where they just had to actually just throw the gauntlet down and be like, okay, we're going to sanction some open source code. And um, so, so that's an angle that nobody's really talking about, but as a, you know, as an, as an, a toy maker and as an, an inventor, um, which is how I try to uh, view myself. Um, you know, I'm just like super impressed that the technology actually works to the point where the only way that, that it could be um, combated against was on the, you know, the, like the meatbag level of like, you know, actually like <laughs> the, them coming after humans. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, you know, and, and that is a testament to technology. Like there, there is a really impressive aspect to that, which is like, okay, the solution has gotten to this point. So there, there, there's almost an inherent win in that, which is that the tech works, you know, now it's a matter of like the very human problems of, how do you implement the good parts of that, which is like the very real need for privacy, um, you know, with the ability to still operate as a society, right? And like, you don't want to shuffle huge sums of money through something that can fund nefarious uses. Of course, there's no perfect system that can do that because you can do that with cash, right? Or anything else. Um, but it is something very interesting that it's like gotten to that point of basically brute forcing the solution by sanctions and things like that. And, um, you know, it just shows how kind of innovative a lot of these uh, protocols are and, and how far they're pushing the envelope and who knows where that's going to, going to lead, but it's, it's a fascinating new world where we're approaching, you know, some, some pretty unique solutions and, and with that problems in the computer science area. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it reminds me, as you said that, you know, it reminds me of like, uh, uh, Ashraf uh, Ghani, and I promise this is the last tangent that I'll go on. But Ashraf Ghani, um, when the Taliban took over uh, last year, wow, it's actually it is the year anniversary as to when he um, when he escaped the country, um, and uh, when, you know he um, escaped, and they 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 had his private jet, and then they had his vault of um, like multiple billions of dollars, uh, all in hundred dollar bills that they just had to load on the plane as he, as he escaped. So definitely, you know, it's a, the, like the, the U S dollar is, um, is a, 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 a very effective, apparently a very effective means of, um, anonymous transactions. And, and yet the U S dollar has not yet been sanctioned. Um, but I guess time will tell. 
But I, I, with that, I digress. Sorry. I, again, I just said I was uh, I was triggered by the opening statement. Um, so here we are. We're, we're we're talking about the options. So Kevin, are you a? Um, would you call yourself a trader? And do you? What's your background in terms of options? Yeah, I would. I would call myself a really bad trader, um, just to be totally frank. Um, and you know, I know we've got Crypto Tank in in the chat who is a good trader. Um, so. That being said, it's something that's always very been very interesting to me. I I started um, trading when I was eleven years old because <laughs> I was uh, one of those LA kids that was also a, an actor, and um, it's like one of the few things a kid can do in in the United States to like make money as a child. And um, you know, I did a bunch. That, of we had a very different stuff. childhood. I, yes. you know, I did like. <laughs> I did like tabletop magic for tips, you know, like I, I did, I didn't even think about like, you know, the stock, stock market. Oh yeah. No, I was, I was fascinated because my dad was day trading um, early on. And I was like, what are all these charts and things? And he was explaining the stock market. And I was like, you can own a piece of something. And, you know, so my first great investment was buying AOL stock early on and um, made a bunch of money from like, proceeds that I'd made acting. And then I sold it and bought like 10 Game Boys at, at Costco. So that was like my first trading win that I ever had, um, which was a very silly one. But that also might be the last trading win that I had. And, and <laughs> so I've become, <laughs> I've become very much like, a, a, interestingly, like a, a conservative DCA type of, of person, which has served me super well. But I think once you start to get a handle on that, and you come through the experience of investing, you start looking at some of these other DeFi instruments. And um, one of the things that I think is really important is like, there's not a lot of great DeFi education out there, right? So there's like protocols that exist that you can do some pretty advanced stuff on, but a lot of people get wrecked because they don't actually really understand the fundamentals of what they're doing. And I think that the approach that you guys are taking towards that is really cool because it allows people to understand a lot of the fundamentals in like a simple way. So like somebody like me, who's finally gotten a little bit more to handle on like, okay, well, this is how you can trade and these are some different strategies and what have you, and is looking to participate in maybe some more like advanced um, trading mechanisms. You know, it's like, what's the appropriate gradient? There's this huge gap between like the dollar cost averaging uh, purchaser and somebody who's like trading options super well and utilizing leverage responsibly and like making more aggressive moves. It's like, what is the, there's this huge gap between. So like, how do you, how do you fill that gap? And if I'm, you know, my opinion is I think you guys are doing a really good job of bridging that gap um, and, and educating users along with that process. Well, well, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. And I guess we'll we'll start out because not everybody has a, a understanding or experience of what options are. So we'll we'll explain a little bit about how they work and um, uh, you know and uh, what it is that we're doing specifically that's kind of um, new or novel or, or different. Um, and then you know we'll hopefully by the end of this, um, everybody that's listening will be able to actually go to the the website and um, and and give it a whirl. And there's a t there's a nice tutorial that's uh, on the Lavana um, Twitter page. Um, that uh, if you look, um, it's uh, I guess it's not pinned anymore because this one is pinned. Um, but 
if you uh, you know if you go in our Discord, um, it's very easy to get uh, the link to it, and, and we'll we'll say it out here a couple times. So if you want to check out um, the first options platform, I think it's the first options platform in all of Cosmos, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe you're correct. Yeah, I think it's the first. It's certainly the first one I know of. And so it's it's options. That's O P T I O N S hyphen beta b e t a dot lavana dot finance. And lavana is L E V A N A dot F I N A N C E. And I'm actually reading that because there's no way I just would be able to spell that out off, uh, you know, by heart. And so what options are? Um, they they give optionality as as to the name. And there's two types of options. So the first type of option is called a call. And the second type of option is called a put. Now, you can think of it as a call is a bull, is somebody who thinks that the market is going to go up. And a put is a bear who thinks that the market is going to go down. Now, that's a little bit of an oversimplification because you don't actually have to be bullish or bearish. You actually can uh, purchase an option simply because you want um, to limit some risk exposure. And so it's actually a complementary tool in many cases to perpetual swaps or to uh, trading on an AMM and also to staking. So uh, if you, um, you know, one, uh, I'll explain a little bit more about the call and the put, um, but one great use case is if you are a validator or you are a um, delegating to a validator and you have tokens that are locked for a long period of time and are no longer liquid. So then purchasing an option can give you significant protection that you wouldn't be able to get through any other type of, um, of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of trading vehicle. And that's why it's so important as a, to, for, for the average person to understand or the validator to understand. Um, and that's also why we were so excited to, to hear your thoughts about it. So I'm going to talk a, a couple more minutes about just the general concept of options. And then I have some questions for you, Kevin, just about how you could envision options being used by people that are staking um, or by people running validators uh, to help uh, the, them succeed throughout a turbulent market. And so to, to jump at, right back into it. So an option, it, if it's a call, it gives the option holder the rights, but not the obligation, just the option. It gives them the rights at a later date to purchase a token at a fixed price. So let's take a real world example. Let's say that today I see that Juno is hovering around $6. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, you know, I um I suspect that in a month from now, Juno's not going to be six dollars. It's going to be sixteen dollars. Now, this is pure speculation. I have no idea what the price of anything is, and I'm not uh, why nobody's on this uh, spaces to try and give financial advice. But let's say that you were really bullish. You saw all the new projects that were coming out to Juno, and you're thinking to yourself, wow. Um, I don't have the cash. I didn't get my paycheck yet, or maybe I need to um, something else to unlock. You know, I've got a bunch of, uh, of of stable coins that are going to unlock at some point, or or whatever it is. I can't buy thing. I can't buy at six dollars today, but I'm very confident 
that um, that a month from now the price is going to be higher. So what you could do is you could buy on the open market an option to purchase the Juno at today's price, but thirty days in the future. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a time machine. It's kind of like taking the the money that you would have in a month from now and then sending it back in time to today. Now, operating that time machine is going to cost a little bit. So in order for, so let's say I might need, you know, let's say I was going to, and again, I'm totally making up the numbers just uh, to make things easier. Let's say that I wanted to buy a thousand Juno tokens at today's $6 price. So that's going to cost me $6,000, but I don't have $6,000 today, but I know in a month I will. Now, an options platform could sell an option. Let's say that those thousand tokens, the options platform was to sell um, at, at 50 cents an option. And, and each option is redeemable for one Juno token at the $6. It's called the strike price. So I could say, you know what? I don't have the money to that $6,000 today, but for, let me see if I do the math correct here. If it was, uh, you know, it's, let's say they're selling it for um, for a dollar a token. I'll make the math easier. Um, we're just making it up anyways. So let's say it was a dollar an option. So um, so I could um, I could spend a thousand dollars today for the in order to lock in the rights to buy Juno at six bucks a token a month from now. Now, if Juno did what I thought it was going to do, and let's say it ran, you know. 10x. So now I now I ran 10x and Juno is trading at $60. Again, total speculation. I'm looking at that $1000 option that I bought and I'm like, "Oh man, this was the smartest decision that I ever made. I can now execute this option and I can buy the tokens not at $60, but at $6 because I locked in the option of a of a call which gave me the right but not obligation to purchase at a future date at a specific price. That's uh, that that's called a call. So I want to pause here. Um, Running cat, can you be our um, our judge? Did uh, did what I said make sense? And do you have any questions? Yes, it made sense. The question I have is: Do I have to have the money sitting in the account in order to put that order in place? So in order to buy the option, I need to pay for the option today. So I would need to pony up that thousand bucks today. And uh, and then that would give me the ability to buy Juno at $6 at, 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 uh, you know, at any time before the option expires in the future. Now, if I'm going to buy it in the future, so there's two different ways that, uh, that, that this can be settled, is that there's, um, there's notional settlement which is where in the future, I would actually need those $6,000. But then there's even more advanced, which is just cash settlement, where the protocol in the background, just um, it's almost think of it like a flash loan, where the, the, the protocol um, spends that $6,000, um, gets those 1,000 Juno, sells it for $60,000, at a profit of $54,000 and then just hands you the $54,000. So both of those are, are possible within the realm of options. 
I believe Kevin um, had a request. Yep, go Spencer. for it, Kevin. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna test my understanding, and you can tell me if I've um, got this correct. So, if if I put this into like the simplest terms I can think of, like let's imagine that um, a, a new transformer toy is going to come out, and it's going to cost a hundred dollars. Um, but you don't know if people are going to like it. You think they will, but you don't know if they're going to like it. So you pay $5 now to get the option to buy that toy at $100. You could just buy the toy for 100 bucks, but then you'd be stuck with like whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And if that Transformer turns out to be amazing and everyone's fighting for it in the stores and the price shoots up to $200 on eBay... Well, now you can buy it at $100 because you have a contract for that that you paid $5 for, and you're way better off, and you can pocket that profit. If it's yep. awful and, in the case and the that, price drops, that's exactly you, right. you don't have to pay that $100. You, you just lose the contract that you bought for 5 bucks. Exactly, exactly. And that's why it's such a powerful tool, because you can lock in. Um, uh, you can, with, with only $5, you can... Um, make the decision as if you had a hundred bucks today. And so you have very low risk and, and very high upside. And, and, and not only that, but if a month from now, when, you know, it's, it's like almost like holiday season and everybody's fighting over this transformer toy, you could say, you know what? I don't like, don't actually send me the transformer. Why don't you just sell it on eBay and then just give me the difference and then just PayPal me you know, the, the, uh, the hundred dollar profit. So, so that's, that's how options work uh, if you're buying a call. So now let's jump into the second half, which is the put and the put is the bear scenario. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you think that the price is going to go down. So let's talk uh, again with a real world scenario, but instead of, um, a, a instead of a transformer, we're going to talk about, um, a and and Kevin, do you mind if our blog writer uses your example in uh, the, the the blog post that uh, is currently being worked on about oh, calls? Please do. I'd be flattered. <laughs> Excellent. So, and we'll give you a, a shout out uh, for for uh, coming up with it. That was a great analogy. So now, imagine that. So, a put is the right to sell a token at a certain price anytime before the option expires. So. This imagine that um, imagine I buy a new car. I buy a Lamborghini for for a million dollars, and I am totally reckless. And I or it's Running Cat. Okay, it's Running Cat is totally reckless. I'm not reckless. My wife might be list might be listening to this. Um, and uh, so Running Cat bought this uh, this um, this uh, Lamborghini at a million dollars, and he doesn't know if. He's going to have a party, like party too hard one night, and then just ram that thing right into uh, a light pole or, you know, or get uh, or piss off the wrong person. And they're going to like key the whole thing up or somebody's going to steal the hubcaps because he parked it in the wrong neighborhood. So a lot of things can happen to this Lamborghini. And he, he just paid a million dollars for it. So now he can buy. Um, let's say that somebody was to offer him for a thousand dollars um the right to sell his lamborghini at the million dollars that he bought it at any time in the last month no matter what condition it's in so that's a pretty good deal 
So he buys that, and then he goes out as a wild party and drives the thing off of a cliff. Shame on you, running cat. But and, he uh, survives. He survives. Yes, oh, of course, because he had uh, it was there was like an escape hatch and there was a parachute. It was actually brilliant. Um, we caught it all on on a on a, a DJI drone, and um, and so then now this this Lamborghini is all crunched up and on fire, and he puts it in his backpack. It's a big backpack, and he also has his option in his hand that he got uh, out of the glove box before he jettisoned, and he goes to the um, you know to the the person he bought the option from, and he says, "Here's my um, lump of you know." of Lamborghini uh, charred remains. And here's my option contract. I'm executing this. Give me my million dollars. And, and so the, the, the person he bought the, the um, option from is required to pay him the million dollars. So that's how you can look at a put as something, as something similar to like insurance. It's not insurance, but uh, it's entirely peer to peer. And you know, the, the, the prices uh, are determined a lot by the market. But he can, um, you know, and then, uh, and then obviously if it turns out that everybody else that had his same Lamborghini crashed theirs this month, and this is the last of that type of Lamborghini, and now it's not going for a million dollars, it's going for $10 million. So then obviously at the end of the month, he's just going to let that option expire because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to trade in that option, you know, to, for a car, you know, for a cash out that's much less than the actual, um, than the actual, uh, you know, cash, uh, that the, the value of the car now that it's gone up. And so that's called a put. So a put gives you the right, but not obligation to sell a token at some time in the future, um, at a certain price, regardless of whatever the, the market condition is. So let's say we're not talking about Lamborghinis. Let's say we're talking about the Juno token. Now the Juno token just went on a run or, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to jinx the Juno token. So we're going to, I don't want to uh, jinx anything, but, um, so I'll just make up a token. So there's the, um, the, there's hamster coin and hamster coin has been on a run. I just bought hamster coin at a dollar and it's run up to a hundred dollars, but everybody's saying, you know, oh, this is unsustainable. It's a total Ponzi. You can't, uh, you know, um, like no, like, you know, hamster coin is, uh, is just bound to like, um, you know, Citadel is going to attack it and it's going to crash. and so. And now I'm like nervous about all the like all this hamster coin that I have just being staked, and it's and it's uh there and it's stuck being staked. So I could go out and I could buy a, a put um, with a strike price of a hundred dollars. That then, if anything bad happened to hamster coin or the hamster network, um, and it just went down to like a fraction of a penny, so then I still would be able to come and and give somebody my hamster coins, and then give them this option. And then they would have to pay me the hundred dollars a hamster coin that they had committed in the uh, in the the uh, in the put option contract that I purchased. And the reason why the best place for options to be is on the blockchain is because you can't have funny business. It's all there. The collateral is locked in the contract because it's a smart contract. So all of this counterparty risk that you can have, all of this stuff like you know. With like uh, like Lehman Brothers or or like centralized finance where every, where people are underwater because like things collapse, none of that can happen in crypto because in order to actually generate the smart contract that that, that either that the person bought whether it was a call or a put, the collateral is all locked in there 
and it, and it can't be unlocked um, without the proper execution according to the code. Obviously, there's um, you know there's Oracle attacks and smart contracts get hacked and there's you know and and people get fished and all kinds of bad stuff happens. But in which you know which is outside of the scope of this theoretical example. But assuming that um, everything works how it's supposed to work, so then options are really just like the perfect use case for smart contracts. Okay, again, a pause. Did everybody understand the analogy for the the, the puts? Yes, I think I might have to change my name to Triple X if I'm flying Lamborghinis off of uh, cliffs. But I do have a question. As you had mentioned a month, is there a time limit between these calls and puts? Can it be eternal time limit or is there a 30-day time limit? Great question. So no, options always have an expiration because it's what you're buying is you're buying a fixed price and you're buying a fixed price for a certain period of time. So unlike perpetuals, which is perpetual future contracts and you know they're designed to never have an expiration and you always just continuously pay on a perpetual the longer that you have it open the more expensive it becomes an option you just pay to own the option at the time that you purchase it and then you have it for the full duration of the time period until the expiration now the the expiration can be set by the free market if people are interested in buying options for 6 hours or for 6 months or for 6 years that's their prerogative. Like they can, they can do that, and it's just up to the market to decide as to what's the, um, you know, what is the, um, you know, the value and the interest of options at various lengths. Now, you always, as a as a new protocol, you always have liquidity challenges, and whenever there's an order book, so there's challenges. Um, you know, there's always going to be challenges around that. So, so most options platforms, and there's probably about a dozen or so options platforms in DeFi. And these are all, these are all, um, they try and, and minimize the uh, amount of a variety of the, of the, the, the timeframes and the strike prices, the prices with which the calls and the, um, and the, uh, the, the, the calls and the puts are, are set at because they don't want to create too much dispersed liquidity. But as it becomes more and more popular and as more and more people learn how to use options, I expect that the variety will increase. So Jonathan, does there need to be an equal amount of calls and puts for a trade to occur or is it gonna be backed by the protocol? No, it's a great question. So actually uh, calls and puts do not need to be balanced and it's not that one side on it. So you're, I, I share you're, you're, you're kind of implying the mental model of, um, of, uh, of perpetual swaps, which try and create, um, a, 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 like a Delta neutral exposure of the whole platform by having long and shorts kind of, um, uh, playing against each other. But options could, you could in theory launch a protocol that only had puts. And and what it would have is is that somebody comes and they want to be the um, the the risk provider, uh, or the the they want to take on the risk. So like like an insurance company, an insurance company is only one sided. Um, the insurance company um, that's you know you've got your Lamborghini, and so you come to the put option 
company. So, you know, uh, Pooco, okay? So you come to Pooco and, you know, put option company and all they do is just sell puts. So how does that work? Is that somebody comes in and they say, you know what? I'm going to put up a million dollars. I'm going to lock it in this contract and I'm going to sell it, this contract for a thousand dollars a week. Now, if you sell for a thousand dollars a week, um, you know, a, 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 a put contract for a million dollars. So that means that you're going to make $52,000 at the end of the year. So let's just, uh, I'm going to pull up a calculator here. Um, so 52,000 uh, divided by 1 million um, is 5.2%. So they would be earning 5.2% um, profits off of the million dollars that they locked up by selling these weekly uh, put calls um, on the million dollars. Now, and there's a question. So Kevin, go for it. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my um, uh, translation and see if I've understood this correctly as well, because I feel like it, the insurance thing makes a lot of sense to me. Like that's basically um, a, a put, right? Um, on a person or, you know, whatever. But like in, in that example, it's sort of flipping the script, right? So now you've got a, a, a different person taking on the risk, but essentially the same concept is that like, um, let's say I've got, um, a, you know, a hundred turkeys before Thanksgiving or something. And uh, by purchasing a put option for, for let's just use small numbers, like for $5, I'm locking in the right to sell a hundred turkeys at a hundred dollars a turkey. Now, if Thanksgiving comes around and those turkeys are worth $80 each, uh, I could exercise that option, right? I can, I can uh, take advantage of that contract and sell those 100 turkeys for $100 each and therefore profit $1,500. Yes, uh, you would profit. I, I'm not sure that the profit was uh, correct. It was $10,000 and you made uh, 20 bucks a turkey and it was a hundred. I think you is, you made $2,000. Oh, but I, yeah, uh, I guess but, that, right, right. Yeah, Cause it would be, it'd be if it was five bucks a turkey or something. Well, you wouldn't. Yeah. So you'd buy the option for five bucks, uh, for five bucks, but that would give you a right to sell each of the turkeys $20 over the market price at the time that you sold it. Got it. So it'd be just under 2000 in profit or whatever. Yeah, it would be your total profit would be one thousand nine hundred and ninety-five dollars. Sounds pretty sweet to me. If yep, you can predict absolutely. the turkey the market thing, really well. <laughs> and and and, uh, and so now, um, so now, as a uh, it it's uh, something else that's interesting is is that the free market gets to decide. The the person who creates the put, the seller of the put, they get to decide what premium are they willing to sell this put at. And if they and then the free market gets to decide if they agree that that's the right price. Maybe the $5 um isn't uh isn't the right price. Um maybe it is uh you know maybe people are like oh man whatever is leftover turkeys are after Thanksgiving, you know, that stuff uh you know is just going to get those turkeys are just going to get thrown out, maybe the turkeys are expensive. You know, I don't think $5 is the right price for to cover to give coverage for a hundred turkeys, I want $10. And then you can come and be like, dude, I'm not paying $10. 
And then somebody else could come in and they could sell a put for $7. And then you'd be like, okay, I'll buy that put. I'll buy that put for $7. So the free market really gets to decide what is the value of that coverage. And it's the same in the, um, in the call perspective. So to, running cat, to answer your question, um, no, there's, uh, each, each, um, each, uh, call has its own two-sided market and each put has its own two-sided market and they're completely independent of each other and they have no catagen risk. So you can't have it be that, oh, the platform had way too many calls because everybody was bullish, didn't have enough puts because nobody's bearish because Juno's like running on a tear. And, um, and so then therefore the, the platform becomes insolvent. It's impossible for that to happen. And that's one of the beauties of um, of, of options is that there can't be a bank run because the, the system is just designed too elegantly for it. Great. Jonathan, I just wanted to um, call out some uh, questions in the live AMA message channel in our Discord. Um, Hi asked, it seems like there needs to be an adequate number of people selling options for the protocol to function. What would happen if we lack option sellers and what would incentivize people to sell options? So the price, if there's not enough, um, if there's not enough sellers, then there needs to be market makers that would then, it would then happen as almost like a Dutch auction. You know, a Dutch auction, you know, an American auction, you have, you know, you, one person says, I'll buy the painting for $5, and then another person says $10, and another says $50, and, you know, they, they, they going once, twice, gavel, sold. So a Dutch, Dutch auction starts out, they might say, this painting is $100, okay, no buyers. Okay, it's $90, no buyers, $80, no buyers, and you keep going down until one of two things happens. The owner of the painting says, that's it. You know, screw this. I'm going home. Um, you guys are just, you know, like, you just don't appreciate my fine art. Or somebody jumps in and then they start, you know, start buying. So if there's not enough um, sellers of contracts, then, that, then that, that actually creates an opportunity where market makers can come in and, um, and charge a very high fee for the the option, whether it's a sell or a put. And if they don't get any bites on that, then they can open up another one for a slightly lower price and open up another one for a slightly lower price until they find that market equilibrium that, um, that, 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 that brings together the buyers and the sellers um, to find a price that, that is rational within the market. And so again, the fact that it's not fictitious, it's not like a, you know, it's not like a, um, a, uh, it's not like a, like a quorum of people behind like some closed doors um, that are just like making up these prices and then and then uh, um, you know and then uh, you know and then imposing it on the market. It really is just the the free market. Now there's great um, based on volatility indexes. Um, there's great uh, math that has shown consistently um, the range of human psychology as to where the market is between um, between the sellers of an option and the buyers of an option. And so there's various equations like Black-Scholes equation, and I know that there's some more uh, advanced ones um, that can be used to suggest prices. But at the end of the day, because it's completely peer-to-peer, the sellers get to decide what they want to sell it for, and then the buyers get to s- decide whether they're interested. Awesome. All right. We have another set of questions. I'll just ask it really quickly. And then um, maybe we need to move on. I realize we've been here for an hour already. Um, there's so much more to cover in options. So we'll definitely have a follow-up. Can I have the options open for more than a month? What are the fees linked to opening an option? 
What happens to the options after a month? So you, so the, the, uh, so to start out the Lavana options platform will have minimal, um, uh, choices because it's very hard to kickstart liquidity. And it's, it's, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if they have candy stores anywhere anymore in America, but, but where we live, like every corner has a candy store. And these things are like ridiculous. You walk in and there's like, it's, it's, it's like rows and rows and rows. So every different type of candy. Now I bring my seven-year-old into that thing and he walks around with his like jaw open and he literally can spend like half an hour in there, just like a, like a deer with, you know, frozen in the headlights. So when you have too many choices, sometimes it makes, um, it actually is counterproductive to making an informed choice. And so we we want to start out um, small. So we started out on testnet just so that people can get familiar with the protocol um, of of actually um, having one open time frame, which is a month contract. So it's a contract that will reset every month, um, and then having um, you know like let's say half a dozen different strike prices on that month. Now this is on testnet and it's it's part of what we're doing is a lot of usability studies. So if you want to participate in a usability study, if you want to um you know uh, come on it would it would involve hopping on a Zoom, sharing your screen, um using one of the, one of the beta versions, um a, a kind of narrating out loud what it is that uh that you're experiencing um and then having you know somebody on the on the product team um like uh, record it and take notes and things uh, so that uh, you know so that that uh, that the core devs can make a better um, options protocol. You know, please um, reach out to Lavana's uh, DMs um, on Twitter and say, "Hey, I'd like to participate in a usability study." And so we have one scheduled for I think late next week um, or possibly earlier the following week. And so we'd love to to get people signed up for that. So it is going to 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 recap. Um, the uh, the options um, have two variety. They have two variables um, that can be changed. They can have the expiration date, and they can have the um, strike price, the price at which they can be executed, either to the rights to sell a token if it's a put, or the rights to buy a token if it's a call. Now, um, the the other question was, who decides the price? So the seller gets to decide the price, but there is a recommended price based on a the the Black Shoals Meriton model, I believe it's. I'm not sure if Meriton um, was, uh, uh, you know, gets credit for it or not. But I know he was one of the mathematicians. Um, and uh, and so the Black Shoals model um, will give a suggested price based on, um, you know, various uh, you know various market uh, um, uh, market historical data. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it's completely peer to peer. And the market will value it um, based on uh, based on many factors um, like like liquidity or availability, uh, and um, you know, and that's called the fair price. So when you go and you look at the uh, you know options um, uh, hyphen beta dot finance, so then you'll and you're playing with the beta, the beta, then you'll see that there is um, indeed a, a fair price, and then. There's the going. There's the actual market price because it's not up to the protocol. The protocol is designed to be a completely decentralized like pr- protocol that is just there 
the same, you know, the same way that Uniswap can't decide what the price of a token is, or Junos, Junoswap can't decide what the price of a token is. It's just there to be the protocol to enable the exchange amongst, um, you know, third-party individuals. So too, the Levana protocol is decentralized. That it's just some smart contracts that people can use to, um, to to buy and sell at whatever prices that they want. And I'm not sure, Beach, if I answered all the questions there. So I think there was one remaining question, which was about the fees. Um, people had noticed that there's no fees currently on the testnet or fake, you know, testnet fees. Yes, there there are no fees. There will be fees. Um, the the fees are going to be they're going to be determined. Um, you know, the fees will again. This is about um, creating real yield. So the fees will go and be collected into a DAO treasury, and then that DAO will be controlled um, by the by the community. And that will be, um, you know, it's a, right now we're, we're, not, um, we're not focused on fee structure. Uh, we're really just focused on um, cracking, you know, the, the options, which really hasn't been cracked. And, and we believe that the best place to crack options is within the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and, uh, and, and that the best way to do that is to start on Juno uh, as, as, a, as a test bed. Now, ultimately, we see that um, that if this is successful in Juno, it will expand to um, many different Cosmos chains. And the now you get into kind of like a philosophical idea as to um, as to is it more valuable to be where the user is on, on the chain that the user uh, currently is residing, or is it better to be your own chain? And that's something that. Um, that I, I think we are still in a research phase uh, regarding, but uh, regardless, there's um, a huge amount of opportunity uh, within the Cosmos ecosystem uh, to deploy to to Juno, um, to engage in the Juno community, and uh, to to watch the product grow uh, and to have it grow naturally based on the the needs and the desires of the community that will really own this. Any other questions? I didn't see any other questions um, in our in our Discord channel, so I think we're so, so I have good. some questions then. So, so Kevin, we've talked a lot about um, we've talked a lot about um, you know about how options work, and then what it is to you know. And so I, I've been thinking now, how could validators benefit from this? And there's two use cases that I've thought of, uh, you know, for validators or even for users that are delegating to validators. And I want to hear your feedback on these use cases. So the first use case is, um, wow, I've been a validator for a long time. My operational costs have gone up. I really want to expand my um, my operations. Um, I've got this 28-day window. I really want to lock in profits. I can't sell my tokens because they're locked. Uh, so I'm going to buy an option at today's market price um, that will expire a few days after my tokens unlock. Uh, which on Juno is 28 days. So if you bought a 30-day option, you'd be perfect. And so I'm going to lock in a price for you know a million dollars worth of Juno tokens. So then that way I can sleep at night. It doesn't matter if the if the market goes up. It doesn't matter if the market goes down. I know that I will have my at the end of 30 days. I will have my million dollars, and you know, and I can just breathe easy. And I can already I can even come with my option contract to the you know, office space, and I can show them as collateral, hey, I've got this option that I can execute. So you know that I'm good for paying you in a month from now. 
Um, so that's that's one use case. Another use case is I'm a validator, but I'm in I'm in like the last ten percentile. You know, I'm almost kicked out of the the uh, the validator set because all of these other people are rushing in, and I just don't have cash right now to buy the extra ten thousand Juno tokens that I need. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a I'm going to buy um, in this case it would be a call option for, with the money that I have. So then that way in a month when I have more cash in hand, I will be able to um, go out and I'll be able to buy those tokens. Um, and I, and I won't be subject to the the volatility of the market. So now I can make business decisions. Um, and then, and I could even get somebody to lend me the tokens today because they know that I'm good for it because they see that I have this option. So I'm curious if those cases seem like reasonable business cases to you. And if you think that, uh, you know, with your experiences as being a validator or, you know, knowing your customers that are delegating to you, if you think that this is something that, um, would make sense as a form of, um, risk adjustment, uh, you know, for, for, um, long-term sustainability of the industry. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a super cool explanation of it. And um, I am actually in the test net for, for it right now. I have a $6.5 put uh, on Juno currently, which was really cool to do. I think that's probably the first put I've, I've put on anything. Um, and yeah, I, it, that's a really like real world use case, right? So like, um, and that's true of both validators and our delegators where, you know, we, we have very long um, staking uh, uh, periods, right, to secure the network, which is great. Um, but there are certain circumstances where people will look at the market and go, you know what, this is a this is a great price for me. Like, I don't really care what happens. Um, you know, let's say like I'm good with Juno at six dollars. Like I want to lock that in because we've got certain expansion for our infrastructure that we need to put in place. And, um, you know, we know that on this date we need this amount and we're, we're like very, it's very crucial for our business to, um, lock in that rate as it exists now. And if somebody else profits because we, it goes way up and, and we sell at a different price, like all good. We just need to know that this is locked in right now, regardless of what happens. I think that's, you know, just offers more freedom and, and, frankly, like financial options for users to take something that previously is like an unknown and a variable and deterministically say, hey, look, I want this price. Um, I'm going to sell the tokens at this price and, and have that sort of freedom to um, determine that through through a, a safe platform. So I think that's awesome. Like that is something that we would very realistically do and, and make as a decision. You know, and moreover, on the flip side, like you're saying, like we know that we need more and, and we're very, very interested in making sure that we lock in what that will be. And um, so I see it on both sides. I think that's like a super useful tool, not only for validators who have like certain fixed business costs, but also, um, you know, our, our delegators. A lot of our delegators are pretty large investors and um, th there is a huge value to stability and being able to contract for prices you know regardless of whether it's staked or not and i think that's that's a pretty amazing feature to have in the cosmos in general like that's something that's been missing for 
obviously quite a long time. And with this mechanisms of staking, like I can only see great reasons to, to do that. Like it, it gives financial stability, you know, and, and of course there's DGENs and people who, you know, speculate and, and all that and have fun with that. And, and that's, that's a very real thing too. But for me, I'm personally like more interested in the ability to lock in selling prices uh, make contracts for that and and have that operational stability as a validator. So that's that's pretty awesome to me. And and this is also why um, we think that it makes sense um, to have an instance of Levana options. You know, right now, like we're so bullish on Cosmos. Like it's 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 like it, you know I think and it and the, the one of the reasons that we're so bullish is that so like the 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 community doesn't get it. They do they just don't like the the broader um, crypto community. They just don't get it. Like I try and explain about the vision of, of Cosmos, like, you know, to, to some of the other ecosystem participants and it's, and, you know, and just a feel they're like, they, they push back and they're like, Oh, it's too fragmented. And like, you know, who wants to, you know, like why have all these validators? It's so much overhead. And like, it's just, it, it just, it's a, it's, it's growth that, that, um, that all that's first of all, it's, it's infinitely scalable like literally infinitely scalable and um and it's all of the friction points of you know like oh well i bought i was on osmosis and i bought uh you know or i i use axelar and i uh transferred my U- my usdc to kajira and then i'm stuck on kajira and i don't have any gas so where am i supposed to get the gas i can't even trade it now like all of those little things these like friction points that we're encountering True story, actually. That's that's what happened to me. Um, is uh, is I think it's just like short term, and we're gonna just see all of that just melt away as the as um, cosmos improves, and so we're gonna end up like right now. Let's say we've got uh, realistically like forty chains that have any economic activity, but we've got like four hundred chains that are in beta, and many of them are gonna launch, and so over the next like five years, cosmos is just naturally just gonna become the largest ecosystem in the entire world of crypto. And so as that happens, every single one of those little hubs is going to have um, their own validators that are going to have the same pain points that you described, Kevin. And there's going to be an opportunity to deploy um, uh, native local options uh, on each one of those chains. And the the concept of first mover advantage and the concept of uh, just being able to go through the iterations of uh, of improving the cycle and then just making it easier and really nailing the user user experience and the business opportunity means that um, Lavana could um, potentially um, own that entire space of of hedging the of being the the hedge opportunity for businesses investors validators delegators of the largest ecosystem um, in the entire crypto, which is what, uh, which is at this point, I think inevitable that, that Cosmos is going to be. So I'm, I'm super excited to, to have this be the, um, you know, to have options be the first uh, product that we bring. It won't be the first, it won't be the last product that, that we bring to Cosmos and bring to Juno. Um, and, but, uh, but I think it's the one that has the, uh, first of all, the, the the most clear case of of real yield that like we didn't even talk about a token like there's there isn't even like a need for 
token emissions here. I mean, obviously, you know, you can have a sweetener that like, you know, the, that there's, that the early people are going to be earning tokens for, you know, um, like the Lavana tokens. Um, and, uh, you know, and then there's all of these, um, you know, all like, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, these options of, um, you know, I, I, it's hard to, to talk about options and not use the word option, um, as just a regular word, but the, you know, there's all this optionality, um, which I think is the improper grammar, but you get what I'm saying. How about uh, possibilities? Yes. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, so the, uh, yeah, beach is our wordsmith. So the, you know, to have all of these, uh, these possibilities, um, and to really, uh, to, to nail it in from something that's only focused on true yields and then can, um, tie a token into governance that uh, that essentially is directly correlated to the amount of revenue, like actual revenue by providing a service that's a real world valuable service. You know, people always say like, oh, show me uh, like the no coiners. They always say like, show me like something that's happening in DeFi that's just not a Ponzi or that's not just like, uh, um, you know, like just a hyperinflation of like a, an unsustainable currency. And I think that that by returning to our roots of, you know, of like, of, of the, like the Bitcoin model of a fixed intu- issuance of tokens, an emission schedule that degrades over time, um, and fees that are distributed to the, um, the, the coordinators of the network, um, by, by returning to these foundational principles um, of crypto, that we've got a bright future ahead of us. So I'm going to let everyone digest that for a second. I think there were a lot of um, thoughts and maybe some mind-blowing ones about where this is headed and how um, powerful Levana is going to be in the future, um, the very you know short future um, and longer-term future. And I wanted to just touch on a few other uh, points uh, that we had wanted to hit. And I see that we're, you know, it's already an hour and 15 minutes and I want to be respectful of people's time. So um, if we can just really quickly speak about... Um, the fact that we are about to award some prizes in the Levana game uh, that's playing on our Discord called The Road to Unwrecked. So if you haven't yet started to play, um, definitely join our Discord. Come on over and there'll be prizes now. Let's say that we're midway on the road. And then um, there'll be prizes again in another few weeks as we close it out. In addition to that, we are getting ready to um, complete our Dragon Warp, which is the NFTs that... Um, that we originally had on Terra. So we are moving and warping to Juno and that closes on the 28th of August. So if you have a dragon wallet and you haven't yet warped your NFTs, please make sure to head to dragons.lavana.finance, select your dragon types that you'd like for your eggs. If you hold dragon eggs and come on with us, it'll warp all of your NFTs automatically. All you need is a Kepler wallet. Um, you don't need any funds in that Kepler wallet. Lavana is covering all the fees of the remint. So our NFTs should be live on Juno again. Um, our entire collection of loot and dust and dragon eggs by the first week in September, which we're super excited about. And in addition to that, I just wanted to encourage everyone to um, play Salim's Adventure, which is a really awesome um, side-scroller game that we have um reskinned and is already in the dragon cave so again at dragons.lavana.finance you can come and play salim's adventure all you need is a um a kepler wallet to connect with and we'll take care of the rest and there are prizes so definitely come and play awesome yeah thank you so much for that um yeah i uh 
you know, I think that there was a people didn't quite understand. So we we don't want to have um, really like a like a an allow list, um, which is what people call the the whitelist. Um, it's the new word for whitelist if you're not familiar with that. Um, and so if uh, you know we like we wanted to make something that was um, that was like proof of um, you know proof of effort. You know, I, 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 like, and and so having you at least try a game, and then there's a big button on Salim's adventure. There's two games that are up on our website. Um, you know, and uh, so one of them now has a button on it. So Salim's adventure has a button. It's a big purple button that says "Send your Juno." So, you know, send to Lavana my Juno address and gameplay data. So I highly recommend you go and you play that game, and. Uh, after a couple of minutes of playing the game, you're going to see the button become activated. Um, you're going to have to prove that you're a human, or at least that you know how to detect the difference between um, the different genders of a lion or various other CAPTCHA elements. And if you, I know, right? I failed it the first time. I was like, well, I don't know what a boy lion looks like, um, but apparently I do, or at least my like my kids do. Um, and so the, if you if you play the game, um, you will send to us your uh, your Juno wallet address. Now we're not making any commitments as to what we're going to do with that, but I do highly recommend. It doesn't cost anything. It just takes a couple minutes um, to, to do it. I highly, highly recommend that you go and you get us your um, wallet address through playing the game. And it's a very unique way to to you know to get a list of addresses. But um, we think that the people that that do it um, will be um, will be happy that they did it, and uh, we will be you know uh, adding that button on the second game um, in the near future. Uh, I know the tweet buttons don't work. Um, uh, we'll have to figure out why. You know, we we built that tweet button a few months ago, but it might be just the redirect or domain, or I, I don't even know what. We'll have to look at that. So you can just take a screenshot and uh, and post it uh, and add. Um, at Lavana Protocol or at um, at Lavana underscore Protocol at Juno Network, etc. Um, and uh, and we will have you on file. And in addition to that, I want to uh, you know I want to commend all of you for we've had over three thousand um, different taps to our uh, to our faucet. So we built this faucet. It gives you a bunch of different coins. Um, we couldn't use just the the default faucet uh, on Juno because that only gave you um, one type of coin, and we wanted people very easily to be able to get gas and get you know fake Bitcoin, fake uh, um, uh, fake stable coins, fake Juno, etc. Um, but I am like super excited to say that we launched the um, options a week ago, and I'll tell you uh, uh, I don't know how to spell options. Sorry. Um, that uh, let's see what what have we had here? We have um, from people tapping this faucet, um, twenty two point three million dollars worth of assets locked in this thing in a week. Now, granted, I mean that's total vanity metrics because it's all just monopoly money, anyways. But it means that you care, and that's the thing that we just didn't know. We just didn't because it was up to you guys to put that money in there. Um, well, you know, we we and and so. You know, three thousand, um, you know, faucet taps 
and and you can't like you can't uh, just like sit there and tap it over and over and over again. It's got a captcha, so you know to have some type of bot protection, and it's got um, a twenty four hour um, uh, limit. So like, I mean, I was just like was shocked. I expected I like when I, I promise you when uh, when we launched this thing, um, I you know uh, Beach and I had a, a a bet, and I said we'll get a hundred people to use it if we're lucky, and and I I'm just you know, I have to, I have to give, give credit where credit is due. Um, you know, I was wrong. And so thank you guys. It means a lot to us. Well, well done on, uh, launching a, a, a bitchin, uh, product, even in, in testnet. It's, uh, it's really smooth. I'm, I have to admit, I'm like in the background here playing around with it and doing Osmo and, and Juno calls and puts and stuff and, um, learning as I go, but it, it's really, um, it's really sleek. You guys like did a really, really good job of um, getting around some of the like technical buggery of like launching a working looking thing in, in testnet. And um, I, I have to say like the, I, this is my, my appeal to you guys since we're on a public call and I can uh, peer pressure everyone over there. I think it'd be super cool to keep like the Levana uh, options, like paper trading version of this for people to learn from. Cause it's so cool. And, who knows knowing you guys you might even gamify it in the future or something but um it's just a really cool way to learn how to do this for people who are less experienced um you know without the like risk of um you know decimating yourself you know it's like a really cool tool to actually kind of paper trade and um yeah i don't know i'm having fun with it it's really cool guys well done well thank you you know i want to give a shout out to church um that uh has just been like just you know been very like just great at the ideation of gamification of 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 the options platform and you know if you um if you join our discord there is an options channel and you can put bugs in there you can open up tickets um you can you know you can uh just uh, give your feedback about what you like and what you don't like what you'd like to see and uh we're so way over time so all i'm just going to do is throw out the word vault um, that, that we're, we're exploring and looking into vaults, which um, I'm not going to explain what they are on this call, but maybe we'll explain it uh, uh, next week. Um, but there's like some really awesome innovation happening in DeFi that we're seeing on Solana and on, um, I think it's an Arbitrum in the option contract space. And so we're, we're really trying to learn from what other people are doing uh, and to just to figure out how to make the best product, and and in about two weeks we're going to have um, uh, perps uh, very similar to GMX uh, also on Juno. So be on the lookout for that as well. To clarify Ooh. on the Juno testnet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, on on the Juno testnet, and so That's if awesome. anybody else, uh, yeah, if anybody else wants to um, come up here and ask questions, you're welcome to. I I just want to add that I have I feel pressure now to dump the eight trillion hamster coins I bought last week on Binance Smart Chain um, <laughs> after you jinxed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I I do wish that 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 options would have been live like when Gino hit a dollar fifty. I almost see it as the way for us fast food workers to be a whale. It can almost be like a slogan everyone can be a whale with options right because instead of just buying like 
100 Juno on spot, I could have bought the right to buy a, a thousand Juno um, for a fraction of the price. So it, it, I'm so excited about that. And to, to that's so Dragon Huddle. That's a, that's a great um, uh, thing. That's a great use case that we didn't even touch on. Um, and uh, and now I'm like fighting with myself, but I'm just going to go for it. So imagine that you're super bullish on the price um, a month from now or six months from now. Um, the, but, and the, the option, you know, is, is going for, you know, one is going for 5% of the, the notional value of the asset. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, Juno's trading at $6, but you could buy an option for the price of Juno, uh, you know, a fixed price of Juno at six bucks, three months in the future, you know, for 10 cents. So you take a thousand bucks, you load up on those options, and yeah, if if Juno goes on a tear, um, you're it's it's like you it's it's as if you were a whale, exactly like uh, you know Dragon Huddle said. Where every fast food worker is a whale, Levana <laughs> options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can even have double arches, you know. <laughs> now we're getting into copyright issues. Let's not do that. Okay, okay. we'll have triple options. We'll have triple arches. <laughs> triple arches. Okay. Yeah. And Lamborghinis um, with hubcaps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think. Do we have any other questions in the uh, in the Discord? I didn't see any others. I think we're good. Awesome. All right. Thank you, every so much for everybody that came. Um, again, sorry about the 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 rant about um, you know about censorship at the beginning. Um, but I think we had a really good time here and I look forward to, uh, talking to you guys in the future. Thank you, Kevin, so much for joining us. And thank you, uh, Jonathan for hosting and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you. See ya. Bye for now. All right. Thank you everyone for joining. Um, we're going to have a AMA in discord, uh, Monday next week. And then of course we'll have another regularly scheduled AMA next, uh, Thursday on Twitter. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Levana Options with Jonathan Karras, recorded on Thursday, August 18th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance Let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight little dreamer Early to bed Early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension Something to endear myself a little bit Something kind of uh, embarrassing <laughs> And you guys are gonna make an awesome sound it's true, it really happened.
They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go When it's fine if I don't know, I already sold my soul Getting ready, rock and roll, tip the first domino Feeling up, I'm in a bowl, with these avalanche flows Stop and rest on the road, gotta get where I'm going And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground sore And I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's Putting wins on the board every fucking day They love me on the team because I know my fucking place Better get in where you fit in, I'm delivering the meaning I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be ceasing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much as so little as to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves the future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Ten spaces.